This is Michael Collins with EW Extension Cooperative Extension. I'm the family specialist for family economics. And today is the lunchtime learning call on the financial education series. We're going to be talking about new strategies for financial education for preschool age children and families. Uh, the information for today's call is posted at fyi.uwex.edu slash financial series. On that site, you'll find um, a couple of documents, including a paper by Karen Holden, Charles Kalish, and a series of other authors uh, called Financial Literacy Programs Targeted at Preschool Children, uh, Development and Evaluation. This is a longer academic paper, uh, and much of the brief that I'll be talking about today is drawn from that paper, but I share it with folks in case they're interested in that information. Um, primarily today, I'm going to be talking about the issue brief called New Strategies for Preschool-Aged Children and Families. Um, that document is a PDF document. It's issue brief 2013-10. Uh, and I'll walk through that today for about the next half an hour. Um, so this whole topic of financial education we we think of is probably an issue maybe for adults, um, maybe sometimes for teens or college students, but rarely do we think about this in the case of, of very young students, of elementary school students, um, or let alone preschool students. Um, but today I want to talk a little bit about how we might think about financial education for preschool children. So by this I mean children ages four and five who are not yet in kindergarten, maybe are entering kindergarten, they're in pre-K, um, or they're in a preschool program, an organized curriculum um, that's teaching basic uh, literacy and other skills to get ready for school. Financial education typically is not targeted to this population, but there are a growing number of curricula and programs designed uh, to address the issues of preschool students um, in ways that teachers and parents and um, preschool programs can work with children as young as age four. And it's important to note that these uh, these students are still working on some of their basic skills, so they may not recognize numbers or counting. They may not know their alphabet yet. And so um, as we think about these, these concepts, uh, they're really going to be taught in a very uh, basic way, but also um, really understanding the core uh, theories and, and the core, core economic concepts that are behind the theories. Um, so as we think about this whole topic of financial education for preschoolers, um, one of the key points of the paper that Cardin Holden and, and her colleagues uh, wrote about is that the learner, the, the four- and five-year-old child, may be at different levels of development. Um, so kids at certain ages are able to do um, different kinds of things, whether it's numeracy or or literacy or other kinds of skills, um, and their, their their brains are still developing, their cognitive abilities are still developing, and there are certain concepts that they just may not be able to handle uh, based on sort of their learning development or where they are in their own uh, their own learning ability. Um, so when we think about financial education for students of this age group, we're really trying to think about ways that we can address them where they're at. So we're not going to be talking about compound interest or percentages or oftentimes even numbers at all, um, but talking more about um, goals and concepts about things like cost and benefits, about making trade-offs, about you know some basic counting that one is uh, one pile of things is a different size than another pile of things. Um, but we're more trying to get students to become more comfortable with economic concepts and financial concepts um, as opposed to teaching them. Uh, specific financial, uh, you know, uh, statistics or um, concepts like that. 
Um, much of what we're going to think about is making trade-offs, making decisions, so it's economic decision-making, um, or comparing different kinds of choices. Um, these are sort of core ideas that are, that are fundamental to economics. Um, but some of this is beyond economics. It's also about um, making choices and trade-offs um, that result over time. So the idea of sacrificing something in the present for something more in the future. Um, and so that's another key concept that, that often gets taught in this area. It's important to note that the um, importance of preschool education is more than just about financial education. There's a uh, some work by a uh, number of different uh, researchers, but most notably uh, Jim Heckman, who's a Nobel Prize winner in economics, who says that one of the things we really need to do is is teach more to children earlier in life, that one of the failures of our education system is that we don't do enough preschool education, um, in part because what preschool does is encourages students to build the skills they need to be successful students, things like planning and self-control. Um, and if we think about this in the economic context or the financial context, that same thing is true, the idea of financial planning or about trading off present versus future consumption. Um, so in a lot of ways, we're building on that fundamental uh, idea that Heckman and others have had, that preschool builds the foundation that may help students be more successful throughout life. Likewise, we think there's some foundation building that's going to happen for preschool students around the financial topic as well. Now, I need to note that there's not much evidence. There hasn't been um, long-term trials that have tested the effects of financial education at preschools for kids who uh, had access to it versus kids who didn't. And even the evidence on preschool itself, as we've seen in some of the, the recent controversies around whether or not we should subsidize financial or whether or not we should subsidize preschool education, um, there's some, some controversies about the effects of preschool education. But there are certainly researchers who find strong effects of financial or of uh, preschool education on kids earlier in life. And so we're kind of building on that and saying that if we're going to teach kids in preschool, we ought to also include some basic financial concepts as well. Um, so what are the things that a preschool student can learn? And this is part of what uh, Karen Holden and her colleagues looked at, is what, looking at the sort of cognitive development of where uh, students who are four and five years old are, what kinds of concepts can we teach them? And they go through a series of, of five or six different ideas that um, students can be taught, uh, depending on the method in which it's taught. Um, they were a little critical of the programs they reviewed because many of the curriculum they saw um, didn't fully acknowledge that some of the concepts that might be included in the curriculum aren't really appropriate for children of that age. So they tried to identify concepts that even young children could learn based on developmental psychology and the theories that are based there. Um, so those are those are listed in the, uh, the brief itself, and I will go through those uh, in a in a sort of summary way right now. Um, first is this idea of numbers. And we know that that many children, even at four and five years old, may not be able to count um, as well as an older child. So they, they may be able to count to 10 or 20, but not much beyond that. Um, they can reason numerically, though, even if they aren't very good at counting. So um, by that I mean they can see that a pile of five M&Ms is smaller than a pile of 20 M&Ms and can make judgments about um, which is bigger or smaller, sort of greater than or less than. Um, they may have a hard time, though, of keeping track of both number and size. So uh, let's say, for example, we had coins where the you know bigger coins are worth more 
and we have fewer of the bigger coins but more of the smaller coins and trying to think about what's more or less, the, the pile of pennies, while it may be worth less, uh, may actually seem for a child to be worth more because there's more of them. And so this idea of size and quantity uh, and the idea that maybe different colors or different shapes hold different value is something that can be harder for children to begin to to um, understand. So we want to generally start with simple counting, not integrating, um, in addition to that, the size. So we might just start with pennies uh, and not try to get into pennies versus quarters. But as students start to get a little bit older, so as they get closer to five or six years old, then we can start to integrate ideas that uh, you know a quarter is worth 25 pennies, and um, but the quarter might be more valuable for that reason. Um, the other thing that children can do is work on grouping, so grouping coins by color or by size, uh, grouping blocks by color or by size, grouping um, different um, objects so that they can begin to see which one's bigger, which one's smaller, um, which one might be worth more, um, and then begin mixing, you know, mixing one type for another. Maybe this particular block is worth two of those blocks. Um, and so that's a way that the um, the teaching uh, structure can begin to get some of these concepts across um, without being caught up in counting one, two, three, but rather thinking about greater than, less than, and how quantities might work related to each other. The next issue we can think a bit about is time. Um, and time is certainly an evolving concept for children as they as they age, and we know that oftentimes children can be impatient, and um, you know the the car ride of you know are we there yet? Ten minutes into an hour ride, um, it, it sort of expresses that in a in a succinct way. Um, but children do understand time; they understand the passage of time. They're not very good oftentimes about understanding the future. Um, and when they think about the future, they tend to think about future in terms of events, so their birthday or an upcoming holiday or Halloween or something, um, sort of landmark event, um, epic event that they're looking forward to. That's sort of their sense of the future. The idea of you know saving for something five or six years down the road may be very, very abstract, but more concrete is you know an upcoming birthday or upcoming event that directly affects them and they can translate into their own life. Um, the more they can personalize it, so like a birthday or an event where they have some special role, um, makes it a little easier for them to think about the future and their role and what the future might be. Uh, we've seen examples where teachers might work with students to share or draw or act out uh, what the future might look like. So what are the things that you might do on your birthday? What are the things that you might do in some activity that you're looking forward to in the future? Um, and Making this personal connection so to create some uh, some expectations can make those future events more concrete uh, and help them to begin to think about how these longer term uh, concepts can be can be translated. Um, another thing that children can do is think about what they want to be when they grow up, and that's a common activity in preschools. Um, so if children are able to identify around whatever it is they want to be when they grow up, then they can begin to understand, well, what are the tasks that they need to do to get there? So what's the schooling, the training, um, the other credentials that need to be in place to get there? Um, another concept, core concept, uh, we can think about, so we talked about numbers and time, the next one is planning. Um, as I said, one of the key reasons we think that preschool is important for children in general is they help children get organized and start to plan and, and what we think about in psychology or social psychology is executive functioning. Um, helps children sort of be better at being students um, when they get to kindergarten and first grade. Um, so in the financial area, we think about how this might relate to financial planning. Um, 
you know, they may not understand what a savings bond is, but they they could understand that with some planning, when you uh, don't spend money now, you might have some reward later. Um, so this idea of deferring an activity or a reward, um, you know, sometimes teachers will give students greater reward, you know, more time to play if they work harder in the short run. And so um, these kinds of delays in the beginning might be very short, so we'll, we'll play more in 10 minutes uh, if you work for five, or they might be longer. You know, we might have a payoff that comes this afternoon. Um, too far in the future becomes too abstract, and so we want to think about ways to help sort of think about, um, you know, short-term uh, actions that can result in slightly longer-term uh, rewards for them. And over time, those the distances between the the work uh, or whatever the activity might be and the play uh, could be extended and help them understand that concept of the future as well. Um, another core concept is, is the idea of markets. And when I say markets, you might think about uh, stock market, but that's not really what I mean. I just mean how goods and services are exchanged. Those markets could be at a store. It could be uh, among students and trading uh, toys and other activities that they might be engaged in in the classroom. So there are different ways to think about markets. Um, but we want students to understand that they are engaging in markets all the time. They're trading. They're sharing. Um, oftentimes, their uh, young children are used to sort of unconditional transactions where they just get stuff, they ask for it, and they get it, or sometimes they just take it. Um, they're beginning to learn more about conditional transfers, so I get this if I do that. Um, so it might be reward. Uh, it might be a payment for doing something. Uh, it, or it might just be an exchange with a classmate where um, if I give up this, I get this other thing thought this other person gets this thing that they want. And you know, children begin to understand these trades and how these tangible trades can help them over time. Um, one idea that some schools have used is, uh, preschools have used is a mock store where children can play store and they have play money. Oftentimes the, the play money is all the same dom domination. There's no no uh, a dollar, a dollar, a dollar, so to speak. Um, but somebody might be the store key storekeeper and different items might have um, different values and Students can then, you know, purchase goods from the store or trade goods from that are taken from the store. Um, and it also, once they're restricted in terms of the number of bills they have, they understand that they can't buy everything in the store, and that they have a budget and they have to make choices. And if they don't like the things they choose, they can try and trade, but at some point they're they're out of money. Um, so oftentimes the the teacher might play the role of the bank in sort of making sure that that students. Um, understand what happens when they run out of money, when they can't make any more choices. They Parents are obviously an important role in the, um, the role of teaching financial education. And we think oftentimes about parents as the primary teachers of students uh, in financial education, but not the only ones. Um, and teachers can play that role as well. But one of the things that can happen with, with engaging with preschoolers is that parents can also become part of the educational effort. Um, so they themselves might gain some skills, but they too can um, sort of reinforce their ability to teach their kids about financial skills. Um, so we might see, for example, uh, reading programs where, where uh, students are read books by their parents related to financial issues. Or we might see programs where parents get financial education specific to themselves outside of the classroom, um, but that might help them to talk to their kids about financial issues as well. 
Um, so the idea of both parent and child being engaged in preschool financial education is an important one, a powerful one, not one that's been explored in detail, but certainly one that we think has great merit. Um, one example would be children's books, and there's a list of children's books uh, in the brief itself if you're looking for some examples. They're um, you know, pretty widely used, and many of them you may have read, um, maybe not even realizing that they had a basic financial or uh, money concept to them. Um, the other thing is that preschool programs can refer parents to uh, more information. Um, so maybe that's for workshops or um, other kinds of materials that they might find useful in learning about you know, how to do allowances or um, how to engage in other kinds of topics with their kids around finances. Uh, one example uh, we like to talk about in Wisconsin is Money Start and Head Start, which is a series of newsletters that's provided to preschool parents through Head Start programs. Um, in addition, there might be workshops or uh, financial coaching or other services available to parents as well. Um, some programs might even refer parents and advertise other services, financial services available in the community, including um, income tax preparation. Um, one thing I want to talk a little bit about, I've talked so far about education programs, um, but there is this idea of savings accounts, even for preschool children, even for newborns, um, of what what value there might be in um, helping young children have bank accounts. And so it might seem silly in some ways, since young students don't have any income, why would they have savings accounts? Um, but it is possible to have a custodial account or a 529 savings account on behalf of a young child. Uh, and we know that if that savings for the future, the earlier that's deposited, the more it can compound and grow. And so we you know, we know sort of the math of that and why that's important. Um, but it's also important for children to begin to learn um, what a bank account is, be comfortable going into a financial institution, be a credit union or bank, um, and understand what happens when they put their money in the bank and that it, that it does grow over time. Uh, but more important is that that sets an expectation with children about savings, and um, particularly when it's a savings aimed at education, that there's an expectation about schooling. Not that you're going to pay your own way, that this account's going to fund all of your college education, but it says, we believe in you, we believe in you as a, as a young student, we believe that someday you'll go to college, um, and it sort of helps set that expectation early in life. Um, so even if the account itself doesn't go very far in, in funding college itself, it does help create a, uh, an expectation that shapes the children's thoughts about how they think about education in the future. Um, so um, I'm going to talk about some of the concepts, other concepts that are in the paper. But um, you know, overall, this brief has tried to, to summarize some of um, the approaches that we might think about in terms of financial or economic high, uh, education for preschool students. And we oftentimes think about it in terms of preschool or you know, some level elementary school. But ages four and five really aren't too early. The key is designing the curriculum and designing the concepts so they can be delivered in a way that's developmentally appropriate. Developmentally appropriate, um, and then also engaging with families and really making this a way to work on more comprehensive uh, issues related to family and economic stability. Uh, so I'm going to quickly review the um, the eight uh, financial concepts that are in the a paper that Karen Holden uh, and her colleagues talked about. Many of these I mentioned earlier. So one is the idea of numbers, of more versus less, as I mentioned, and then quantities of coins. And coins can be a, a nice teaching tool. Um, sometimes toy coins are better because you can, um, if you plastic, they might be larger and less of a choking risk, those kinds of things. Um, uh, but also because it might be just simpler. We can talk about ones and twos and threes instead of quarters and times and nickels. Um, 
the issue is time and not clock time, as I said before, but sort of past, present, and future, um, and this idea of deferring spending or saving. Um, we also can talk about the role of money, and so this isn't something I talked a whole lot about, but um, that, that money exists as a store of value and that um, we can really trade money as a way to um, get access to goods and services. Um, and we might, so as I gave the example of the store, we might have all the money worth $1 or one unit, um, but still there's some trade of that $1 plus what, whatever the, the item is in the store. And, you know, many students see this. They see their parents exchanging money um, or exchanging cards, uh, electronic payments. Um, so they get that concept, but applying it themselves is a key part of that. Uh, markets and exchanges, I talked about this idea of trade and, and purchasing and selling. Um, the idea of institutions, of the role of stores, of financial institutions, of banks, um, and, and sort of how those institutions facilitate the market um, is a core concept that the students can understand. This idea of choice, of trading off, of scarcity, that uh, they can't have everything, and that once they run out of their dollar bills, they can't buy anything else in the store. So um, the sort of skills and, and uh, disappointment when you realize you've reached the end of your savings. Um, there's also this idea of social values, of generosity, of gift-giving, of charity, of what a public good is and why um, there are some things that's good for everybody in the class, those kinds of things. So these are another core concepts that can be taught. Um, and then this idea of making deliberate behaviors or deliberate choices of making savings uh, something that we want to uh, sort of actively engage in. And when we shop, we, we do it in a thoughtful way. Um, and so making those behaviors more planned and committed. Um, in terms of resources, I've looked at a handful of resources here, including the Thrive by Five um, project, which is um, there's a link here to the curriculum that the Credit Union National Association has put forward. Um, that's available in English and Spanish and, and can be a useful um, set of resources. Um, the Money Sense uh, project from Nevada Cooperative Extension is another one to, to examine. Um, it gives some examples of uh, predominantly for parents to work with children, uh, but also for teachers to work with children. Uh, Money on the Bookshelf is a series of um, suggested book titles, um, predominantly working with libraries or school libraries on, on books that can be read to children. Um, and then there's the Going Up Great Initiative, which is a project with Sesame Street, um, funded by PNC Bank. Um, and that's uh, got a number of, of different resources to it, including a DVD and um, some other resources available to talk about these kinds of issues. Um, last is a set of uh, readings for children's books, so that you can find those lists of those books there, many of which you'll see uh, maybe look familiar to you. Um, and then at the very end of the brief is some set of uh, research papers if you're interested in looking at more detail on some of these issues and, and some of the research behind these areas. This is still a relatively new area. It's not a, a huge body of research, and so I've just cited a handful of uh, papers that I think might be useful. Um, this is certainly an area for growth and an area which we encourage financial educators to um, think about as a way to engage in community partnerships. So that's with financial institutions, with educational institutions, with teachers, with parents. Um, there's certainly some reward in this because they are uh, working with young children always has its own rewards and sort of optimism and the, the sort of great fun it is to work with students of these ages. Um, so I would encourage folks to at least consider these strategies and to begin to engage in some coalitions uh, around how these strategies might work in their community. Um, so with that, I'll end today's call. I thank you for tuning in. 
Um, I want to make folks know that we do these lunchtime learning uh, calls the third Monday of each month at noon, uh, and they're usually recorded, so you can find an archive um, on the fyi.wex.edu slash financial series website to find the uh, MP3 file of the of the call. The next call is November 18th, where we'll talk about new learning strategies for online financial education. Um, so, again, there'll be a brief uh, published in advance, and then the call itself will be recorded. So thank you again, and I appreciate you tuning in today.